I want to welcome you to our services today, whether you're here in person or online, we're glad you're with us. And you're here because you, something inside of you has told you what we just sang, that He is good and He is faithful. So I appreciate you being here. If you're a visitor, maybe you've never been here before, I ask you to fill out a visitor card, take it to the Welcome Center when you leave today, and they've got a gift for you and give us some way to reach out to you. There's just two things I want to share before I get into the teaching part today. The first is this. We've, um, maybe you're a new believer. You're new in Christ, and you don't really understand a lot of the details, and, and that's fine. You've got to start somewhere. We've set up a foundations class, and it's going to start on the 27th of this month, and it'll meet at 9 o'clock. It'll be one session you can go to. If that doesn't work, there's another one that starts at 1030. It's during the Sunday school times up in classroom six. And I'm encouraging you if you think, I just need to, I need somebody to lay the foundations out, the fundamentals of our faith. So I encourage you, regardless of where you are uh, in your relationship, if you think you need to review the foundations to sign up for that class, uh, it's six weeks long. And you'll come at one of those sessions, 9 o'clock or 10.30 for six weeks, and, and help lay the foundation that then we'll build on the rest of your journey. The second thing is, the last week I asked you to send in your pictures. And some of you are lollygagging. So I don't know what's hard about this. If you've not sent in your picture, in the age in which everybody's got a phone and taking selfies, surely you can take a picture and email it to will at ninevachristian.org. Okay? Everybody said amen. amen. So send in your picture. We need your pictures to help build our database so everybody can put the names and faces together. There are two statements of Jesus near the end of his earthly ministry. Both of them take place during Passion Week. And whenever I read these particular statements, I'm not even sure why they, they move my soul. I have never specifically written or spoken in detail about them together. Today, I will. Both of these statements of Jesus are deeply emotional moments for Jesus himself. And they stun me with emotion when I study them. There's something about them. So here comes the first one. The first is when Jesus says this to the people of Jerusalem. In fact, I have a picture in my office of this scene of Jesus looking upon Jerusalem when I assume is the, the context. We believe that this takes place on Monday or Tuesday of Passion Week, which means he's going to die on Friday. And on Monday or Tuesday of that week, just a few days before the cross, here's what he says, Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem. Can you hear the emotion? Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now, look. Look, your house is abandoned. Your house is desolate. 
For I tell you this, you will never, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch Abashim Adonai. That's the Hebrew version of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Abashim Adonai. He says, he didn't say you're never going to see me again. Never, never, never. You're never going to see me again until you're ready to say that. The next time you see me, you're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But this time, you're not saying that at all. Do you know what I hear when I read that? And I think it's why it stirs my soul. He says, I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to. I wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen would gather her chicks and save you from that that's coming. Because I can tell you what's coming, but you wouldn't let me. And because you wouldn't come under my wings, listen, because you refuse to come under my wings, your house is desolate and abandoned. Do you know what that means? You're going to be left all alone on the outside. They didn't believe Jesus. And they couldn't see him for who he really was. And the reality is the same thing holds true today. Many people cannot see Jesus. They cannot understand who he is and where he came from. Let's face it. If, that, if the people of that day in Jerusalem had known what was coming... Had any of those people known what was coming, they would have found shelter under his wings. And I'll say the same thing today. If anybody in the world today would have any clue about what is coming, they would find shelter under his wings. If they had only known, number one, who he really was, who he is, and where he is from. Just two things. Let's make it simple. If you just knew who he is and where he is from, they would have found shelter under his wings. So who is he? What was it that they couldn't grasp? What was it that people, what is it that people are struggling with today? Who was Jesus then? Who is Jesus now? And where is he from? And is there still room under the shelter of his wings today. So let's do something. I want to go to John 6, verse 35. Jesus is going to reveal who he is and what he's, where he's from. And as I read it, I want to ask each of you listening to me today, are, do you believe this? Do you receive this as absolute truth? Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me. Even though you have seen me, you haven't believed in me. However, those that the Father... Now he's going to refer to another person. Those the Father has given me will come to me. And I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven. Where's he from? Who are you and where are you from? These two fundamental points about this person. Who are you? My father. He's referring to his father. Who's he? 
I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father. Now he's introducing this Father specifically. It is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Who is He and where did He come from? Two fundamental truths that people then and people today are struggling with. Who is He? He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Do you know who he is? And where's he from? He came from heaven. He didn't come from Bethlehem or Nazareth or Galilee. He's from heaven. And he says that whoever believes that I am who I say I am, I am from heaven. God is my father. I am the son of God. Whoever believes this He will give eternal life, and he will raise them up on the last day. They didn't believe Jesus, and they wouldn't let him shelter them under his wings. And the saddest statement, I wonder, in human history will be this. He wanted to, but they wouldn't let him. And because of that rejection and unbelief, their house was left desolate. Their house was left abandoned. You know what it means? Hopeless. Hopeless. They're not going to be raised up on the last day. Is anybody listening? When he says, and because you have rejected me, I wanted to shelter you under my wings. I wanted to bring you into the safety of my father's house. But your house is left abandoned and desolate. And because you rejected me, you're hopeless. And because you rejected me, you're not going to get the resurrection of the dead on the last day. Can you hear the emotion in Jesus' words? I can. I think it's why it stirs me. I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. They couldn't. Why, why couldn't they see him? It's a question. Why wouldn't they believe and accept his shelter, his resurrection power? The same question applies today. Why can't people see him? And why do they refuse the shelter and the safety that lies beneath his wings like a hen would gather her chicks? Why? I can hear Jesus saying this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me. But you haven't. Even though you have seen me, you haven't believed. So I'm going to ask all of you a serious question. Do you believe that he is from heaven, he is the Son of God, and he wants to gather you under the shelter of his wings as a hen would gather a chicks so that he can save you from that which is coming, which is to be abandoned and to be desolate? Do you believe him? Are you sure? Are you still hungry? 
You see, he's the bread of life. And he says, whoever takes me into themselves will never be hungry. And yet I still see a lot of people hungry. And when I say hungry, I'm not talking about physical, give me a cheeseburger hungry. I'm talking about hungry like I'm not satisfied. I still need the stuff the world is offering. And it comes and it competes with this person of Christ. Are you still thirsty? When you took communion today, just a few moments ago, did that satisfy your thirst and your hunger? Is he enough? It's a, it's a legitimate question today. Is he enough for you? When you took communion today, did you thank Jesus for the shelter under his wings? Do you have any idea right now what it is to be sheltered and what it would mean to not be sheltered under those wings? What's going to happen if you find yourself on the last day outside of that shelter? Did you thank him? I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to be your bread of life, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to be your living water, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to be your shelter, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to satisfy the hunger and the thirst of your soul, but you wouldn't let me. I hear these words of Jesus, I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, and this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. Do you believe Jesus is from heaven? And he came to the earth as the Son of God to suffer the cross, to make a place of shelter for you, sheltering us from the coming wrath sheltering us from the coming judgment because I can tell you today the wrath and the judgment of God will eventually fall it will come do you believe this shelter comes with a God-given guarantee of a resurrection of the dead on the last day and yes spiritual protection while you even wait for the last day over and over and over and over I hear this statement from our Lord. I wanted to, but for some reason, you wouldn't let me. Jesus says, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. That's a, it's his cry. I don't know why you won't come and let me save you. Oh, America. Oh, America. How Jesus longs to gather you under his wings as a hen would gather her chicks. But you wouldn't let him. And now you will be left desolate. And you will be left abandoned. The judgment of God will come on those outside the shelter of his wings. You will be desolate. You will be abandoned, not because of God, because of you. You refused the shelter. He wanted to shelter you, but you wouldn't let him. I guess he could force people under his wings. He's God. He's all-powerful, right? He could just force everyone under his wings, but that's not how God works. The Father wants people who want to love him, not because they have to, 
but because it has become the desire of their hearts. I spoke recently about this sermon about having a whole heart. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth, looking for one whose heart is undivided so that he might strengthen him. Seek me and you'll find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I'll be found by you. That's the people who are coming under his wings with all of their heart, not half of their heart. All their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. Not just because he's going to save me on the last day. There's a lot of people who want to find Jesus just enough, just, just enough so that he'll save me on the last day. God's children don't find shelter under his wings because they have to. Do you understand? God's children, his legitimate children, they don't find shelter under his wings because they have to. They want to. That's where they want to be. It is their greatest desire. Why? Because God's children have experienced and found the truth that he is the only thing that satisfies our thirst. He's the only thing that satisfies our hunger. He's the only thing that satisfies something down in our soul that cries out for him. God's children understand the shelter and the love that's under those mighty wings. Those open wings of shelter began with the nation of Israel. And the mercy of God has now been extended to the Gentiles during the church age. And I want everybody to understand where we're going today. If you study the Bible, it becomes clear that God first opened his arms of shelter under his wings to the people of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he was going to create a group of people that he was going to gather as a hen would gather his or chicks under his wings. It began with Israel. And that time came, and now we live in a different time. It's not like he's rejected Israel, but there's like this pause, and he's turned his attention to the Gentile world. It's the church age. You and I live in the church age, but one day the church age will close. And during the church age, he takes his arms and he opens them to the world, to the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. And he says, will you come and find shelter under the shadow of my wings. He wanted to, but they wouldn't let him. So I want to do something. In Deuteronomy 32 verse 9, this was God's de uh, description of his invitation to Israel. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land. They were desolate and abandoned. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. And he surrounded them. And he watched over them. And he guarded them. Can you see the hen gathering her chicks? And he sheltered them, and he surrounded them, and he guarded them. And he would, as he would guard his own eyes. Verse 11, and like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spread his wings to take them up, and he carried them to safety by his pinions. The Lord alone guided them, and they followed no foreign gods. 
Look at human history today, ancient modern history, and ask this question, has God been faithful to Israel? Yes. He wanted to, but they wouldn't let him. I told you there were two scenes in Jesus' life that stun me with emotion, that stir my soul. That's the first one. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you under my wings as a hen would gather her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. And now because of that, your house is abandoned, your house is desolate, and you'll not see me again until you cry out, Baruch HaBashim Adonai. But there's a second one. There's a second one, and this one, Jesus is instituting the new covenant of his blood, the Last Supper. Think about that phrase for a moment that we use in regard to communion, the Last Supper. That in itself stuns me with emotion. Jesus knew what they didn't know. This would be their last Passover together. They had spent three years, 24-7 together, and they had experienced more inside those three years than most people will experience in a lifetime. But this would be the last supper together. This would be the last Passover together. It is in this scene, on the night before Jesus would go to the cross, that Jesus says something that moves my soul. I have always, and I'm not even sure why, I have always connected this scene that I'm about to read to you about the Last Supper to the first scene of, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. I'm not even sure why I've always connected these two, but I do, and they're both in my mind together. They both announce a profound finality. An absolute, immutable, eternal truth. Both of them separate and both of them even more together. Here it comes, number two. Both recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Both recorded inside the final days of Jesus' life before he's crucified. Matthew 26, 27. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And here it comes. And mark my words, Jesus said, I will not drink wine again until the day. I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I will not drink this cup again on this present earth, in this present reality. This will be it. In this present earth, in this present reality, until something supernatural must take place, I will never be able to drink this cup with you again. This is it. This is the last supper that you and I will share together. Yes, it came with a blood covenant, and it came with a promise of a future time when they will drink 
and celebrate together in the kingdom of heaven. But there's something else here that some of you may not have noticed. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's coming to Jerusalem and these disciples. He knows. He can see the future. At this point, he knows everything. He knows what's coming to the disciples after the cross. He knows what's coming to Jerusalem after the cross. He knows. He announced it in Jerusalem before the Last Supper. Remember? He announced it because you have rejected me. Your house is desolate. Your house is abandoned. He knows what's coming. Had they known what was coming, they would have got under his wings. He knows what's coming. Matthew 23, 37. I want to read it again. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, and now, here's here's his prophetic view of the future. And now, because you rejected me, your house is abandoned. Your house is desolate. For I tell you this, that you will never see me again until you say, Baruch Ababa Shemedonai. Yes, there was a last supper. But the house was going to be left desolate and abandoned. And Jesus could see it. There was a last supper. And there were events that were about to take place after the cross of Christ. After the resurrection of Christ. After the ascension of Christ. And Jesus could see them all. He could see the the cost of being a disciple. He could see the coming Roman army into Jerusalem. He could see it all. Great trouble. A time of great suffering was coming after the cross. And Jesus had already proclaimed and prophesied it in that first statement. And this is what happened. The morning after he has the last supper, this is what happened. Luke 23, 26. The morning after he makes his prophetic announcement. After he says, this is the last supper. We will not drink and eat like this together. This is it. On the morning after, Luke 23, 26, as they led Jesus away to the cross, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside, and the soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large crowd. I want you to notice the word. There's a big crowd that's watching this thing take place. Jesus is being led to the slaughter. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. They're weeping and they are wailing in Middle Eastern fashion. But Jesus turns to them, these women who are weeping, Because Jesus is going to be crucified. And he turns to them and he says something prophetic. He says what? Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. But weep for yourselves. Weep for your children. For the days are coming. When you 
when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless. Fortunate indeed are the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Don't weep for me. Jesus is being taken to the slaughter. The Lamb of God is going to be slaughtered on the cross of Calvary. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for your children. Why would Jesus say that? A few minutes after Jesus made that statement, Jesus' arms were spread out on the cross of Calvary. Just a few minutes after that, his arms, his wings are spread out on the cross of Calvary. The blood of the Passover lamb that would take away the sins of the whole world would be shed. And those spread out arms became, listen, those spread out arms on the cross became the only shelter on this earth that would save us from the coming wrath of God. Do you hear me? Those spread out arms are the only, only, only shelter on this earth that will save anyone from the coming wrath and judgment of God. That's it. If the people of, of Jerusalem would reject the very Son of God, who stood before them in human flesh, doing all those miracles, if they would reject Him while the tree was green, how much more will the people of this day, today, reject the Holy Spirit of Christ who dwells in the church while the tree is dry. So I'll read it again. Luke 23, 29. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless. The wombs that have never borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen? What will happen when the tree is dry? What will happen 2,000 years in the future? The tree is green and they still can't see him. They don't know where, he, where he's from. They don't know who he is. And they don't know what's coming. And today we have the same thing, except the only difference is the tree's dry. They don't know who he is, they don't know where he's from, and they don't know what's coming. But he does. For 2,000 years now, the arms of Jesus have been spread wide so that you and I could find shelter there. Generations have found shelter there. But the truth remains. You want the truth? He wanted to. But you wouldn't let him. On his way to the cross, Jesus describes a future time when it would be better if you had never been born. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Don't weep for me. He describes a future time when it would be better if you had never been born, never had a family, never had children. In fact, never had existence. What could be so terrible? 
What would be so terrible that it would be better if you'd never been born? You never got married. You never had children. You didn't even have existence. What could be so bad? That bad. He describes a time when people will cry out for mountains to fall on them. I've never had that kind of a bad day. He describes a future time when people will cry out for the hills to bury them. What is that? Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Oh, America, oh, America. Oh, world, oh, world. If you only knew. This prophetic scene found its partial fulfillment. Listen, I believe with all my heart, this prophetic scene that he just described. Don't weep for me. Weep for your children. Weep for yourselves. This prophetic scene finds its partial fulfillment in 70 A.D. when the Romans came. You think Jesus didn't know they were coming? Just a few years after the cross, the Romans came. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, who was a personal witness to the events, he claims that over 1.1 million people were killed during the initial siege when Rome came to Jerusalem a few years after the cross. 97,000 were captured and enslaved. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you only knew who was going to offer you shelter. But because you rejected the shelter under my wings, you are now abandoned and you are desolate. The temple of the Lord was burnt down and the Jews that survived were scattered around the world as slaves. They call it the dysphoria. The great dispersion. Jesus knew what was coming. That's why he says, oh, women of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves because I see what's coming. And if you'll do this when the tree is green, what will they do 2,000 years from now when the tree's dry? Abandoned and desolate. He wanted to, but you wouldn't let him. But I'm telling you today that 70 A.D. fulfillment is not the final one. There is another one coming. And I can tell you it's much bigger. And I'll tell you why the next one will be much bigger. The next one will not be just in Jerusalem or in Judea. It will be on the entire world. This is how Jesus describes the event that will come when the tree is dry. Matthew 24, 19. How terrible it will be for pregnant women, for nursing mothers in those days, and pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time <clears throat> since the world began. There will be greater anguish than any time since the world began. I want to tell you, I think the time of Noah's flood would have been great anguish. Greater than any time that's ever been on the earth. The horrors of World War I and World War II, the horrors of the Holocaust, the horrors of 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed. Nothing's going to compare to that which is coming because that which is coming will cover the planet, not isolated to certain regions. And it will never be so great again. It is the climax of human history. 
In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. As they led Jesus to the cross, he said to the women who were weeping, People will beg for the mountains and fall on us and plead with the hills to bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Do you recognize that call on the mountains story? Do you recognize that call on the mountain statement from somewhere else in the Bible? I hope you do. As I read it to you, I want you to notice who is breaking the sixth seal. You probably recognize, if you know anything about the Scripture, you'll say, that sounds familiar. That's not the only time that the Bible declares a future day in which people will call for the mountains to fall on them. This one's found in Revelation. And the tree is dry. Revelation 6, 12. And I watched as the Lamb. Do I have to tell you who He is? I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. And then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and the islands were moved from their places. This is a cataclysmic worldwide event. And then everyone, everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. And from the, what? The wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? I wanted to. But you wouldn't let me. Who is able to survive? I wanted to. But you wouldn't let me. I wanted to shelter you from what was coming, but you wouldn't let me. I saw it. I know the future. Jesus says, I know what's coming. And you need the shelter. The result is abandoned and desolate. The result is it'd be better if you'd never been born. The result is it'd be better if you'd never had a family and you never had children and you'd never had an existence at all. It'd be better because the wrath of God will come to you and you will become abandoned and you will become desolate all alone outside the shelter of God's wings. I have two closing perspectives and they are both eternal in nature and I ask you to listen carefully. As of this moment in time, as of this date, the grace and mercy of God has allowed the arms of Jesus to still be open to you. The cross of Christ is still open for you to find shelter under his wings. As of this minute, I can still say that. If you refuse to find shelter under those mighty wings, the wrath of God is coming for you. And that's the truth. If you refuse to find shelter under those loving wings, the wrath of God is coming for you. And it would be better off if you'd never been born.
than to find yourself in the fire of hell, which is the wrath of God. A prison, an eternal prison away from God. It is the explanation of abandoned and desolate. Hell is for those who refuse the shelter under the mighty wings. I know a lot of preachers don't like to preach this stuff anymore. People need to know the truth about what the future holds outside of the shelter of these wings. It is the wrath of God. Hell is for those who refuse the shelter under those mighty wings. Heaven is for those who loved those wings. Heaven is for those who loved those wings, not because God forced them there, but because they knew Him and they loved Him and they saw the love that was under those wings, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness. The cross of Christ, the spread out, bleeding arms of Christ are the shelter from the coming judgment. They are the shelter from the coming wrath of God. Finally, I got some wonderful good news about the coming kingdom and a cup that Jesus holds in his hand. You remember the statement of Jesus O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Matthew 23, 39. Jesus says, for I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, blessing is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Bashem Adonai. You will never see me again until. He didn't say that you would never see me again. He didn't say, you'll never see me again. He said, the next time you see me, you'll be crying out, Baruch Ababa Shem Adonai. The next time you see me, you'll know who I am. That glorious day is coming. But there's another one that even gives me cold chills. That other one, I told you these two scriptures have always gone together, even though they're days apart. One looks like Monday or Tuesday. The other one looks like Thursday night. And yet they all seem to go together. And this one's about the Last Supper. Matthew 26, 39. Jesus says, mark my words. I'll not drink this cup, this wine again until the day. I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Both of these Jesus stories are based on the word until, not the word never. They're both based on until. You will not see me again until. We will not drink together until. He doesn't say never. He says until. Which means he's announcing that something's coming. Something other than the wrath of God. The love and mercy of God is also coming. Not until. But I can tell you today, until is coming. One day, I'm going to drink with Jesus from that glorious cup at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Do you understand the promise of God for those who are under the shelter of His wings? One day, that cup that was the last supper will be offered to the children of God in the wedding supper of the Lamb. One day, I'm going to celebrate the Passover feast 
and find my, my place in the shelter of those mighty wings forever. That cup awaits us. Do you understand? That cup awaits us. And yes, like the apostles, we may have to suffer greatly between now and then. In fact, every one of them except John suffered a martyr's death. But that cup was in front of them. But one day, one day, Revelation 3.20, this is coming. This is Jesus' message to the last of the seven churches in Revelation. The church is called Laodicea. We don't usually think very good about the church of Laodicea. It's the lukewarm church, the church that he vomits out of his mouth. But notice something in this church. The last of the seven churches gets this message. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together. I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. I stand at the door and knock, and whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends, and those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Can anybody hear me? I can say this with confidence today. The Passover supper of Jesus with his disciple some 2,000 years ago is not the last supper. There's another one coming. Will you be there? I'm asking each one of you individually. Will you be there? He stands at the door today and he knocks, inviting you to find shelter under the shadow of his mighty wings. Laodicea was the lukewarm church that he says, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold, but because you're this stinking in the middle, you make me sick. Many people believe, theologians believe that Laodicea describes the American church or the worldwide church in the last days. Whatever. It's the whatever, church. I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. No, whatever. Is he done yet? Whatever. I want to be there. We're going to share a meal together, and my heart is filled with anticipation and love. Luke 12, 35. I'll just tell you, as I read this, it kind of blows me away. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning. Does this sound like a whatever church? Does this sound like a lukewarm church? Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. And then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in. And the moment that he arrives and knocks, the servants who are ready, is he talking to you? The servants who are ready, the servants who are waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Are you ready? Be honest. Are you ready? 
ready and waiting. Please don't be the person referred to in this old Jerusalem, old Jerusalem. Don't, please don't be that person. I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. He wanted to shelter you from what was coming, but you wouldn't let him. So here's the last thing today. We're going to do something very unusual. This is going to be a hypothetical story closing. And it is hypothetical, which means that it's just so you can think about it. This is be the last sermon that I'm going to preach, the last invitation time that I'm going to preach before the Feast of Trumpets takes place. It's a hypothetical story, okay? This is the last invitation, the last sermon that I'm going to stand and preach to this church before the Feast of Trumpets takes place. It happens on the 19th of September. It is the first of the fall feast. It is one of seven feasts. The first four feasts happen in the spring, and there's a summer gap, and then after that, there's the fall feast. Jesus has fulfilled the first four exactly on the day, exactly on the day, exactly on the day. That's not hypothetical. And many believe, I'd be one of them, that he will also fulfill the final three. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, on the 19th, the Feast of Trumpets is going to take place. And the Jewish day begins at dark. Ours begins at midnight, so it's a little hard to synchronize your clock. But roughly, roughly about 1 o'clock on Friday, it'll get dark in Israel. And as it gets dark in Israel, that's when their day begins. So let's just say for the sake of this hypothetical discussion that 1 o'clock on Friday, the Feast of Trumpets takes place. Hypothetical. And at 1 o'clock on Friday, this week, a trumpet blows. And what if Jesus decides that 2020 would be a wonderful time to call his bride, the church, those who are ready and waiting to come home? Hypothetical discussion. In my hypothetical discussion, and the trumpet sounds at 1 o'clock on Thursday, are you leaving? Or are you staying? Hypothetically speaking, I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me. You see, in this hypothetical story, I see two groups of people. Listen, I, I, it's a hypothetical story. I see two groups of people. I see this one group of people who are saying, Baruch Baba Shem Adonai. That their heart is waiting and ready. They're not distracted by the world. They're not caught up in all the junk. They're, they're focused on this promise of God. And they're ready and they're waiting. And the Holy Spirit's just working and producing fruit. And they, they're not hungry. They're not thirsty. They're satisfied. They don't like what's going on around them, but they're just satisfied. They're waiting for this last supper come. In the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there's another group. And you know what this other group's saying? There's a day in this other group's life when they're going to cry out for the mountains to fall on them. To hide them from the face of the wrath of the Lamb. They're going to cry. Let the, let the hills bury us. How can I get out of this? 
Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen would gather her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. And now because you wouldn't let me, you're going to be left desolate and abandoned. So I'm going to ask you, in this hypothetical discussion, do you know who he is? I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Do you know who he is? Are you sure? Do, do you know where he's from? You see, the ones that saw him in the flesh while the tree was green, they rejected him. And he says, if they'll reject me when the tree is green, what do you think will happen when the tree's dry? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that. He says, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't really get it. You never got it. I don't know you. I'm going to pray. Father, without you, we are abandoned and we are desolate. We are objects of wrath. But the cross of Christ, the open arms of the cross of Christ are the shelter from the coming wrath. Only you. You're the only, the blood of Christ. Under the shelter of Christ, it is the only. You are the only one that can save us from the judgment, from the wrath, from the mountains falling on us to try to get us out of something that we can't ever get out of, to be abandoned and desolate. So, Lord, I'm asking you this in Jesus' name. Speak life into this room today. Breathe your breath into each one of us today. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Give us a sense of urgency equal to the days that are left. Lord, I don't feel like there's very many days left. And Lord, on that day, whether it's the Feast of Trumpets or whether it's this year or whether it's 20 years from now, Father, we'd be the ones who are ready, who have found shelter under these wings. I pray that you move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation is open. Let's stand.